to Jesus. Oh, is that for Jesus? Is that for the Lord Jesus? Give him a shout, give him a shout. Maye Kayanaboska, la brada de Gaza, Lisa. Oyanaboski, we salute you this morning. situation, your challenge, your trouble, your difficulty. Be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above all principality and power. It doesn't matter what is coming against you. I declare that according to the eternal unchanging word, you are actually seated in heavenly places in Christ and you are far above all rule and all dominion. Oh, shout hallelujah. Say, I am seated on her. I'm seated on her in the name of Jesus. I am dealing with some things. If you see me overexcited, that means I'm trying to put the devil in his place. Put him in his place. Say, I put that devil in his place under my feet on account of the blood of the eternal covenant. Oh, ah, God help me to preach. I'm coming to teach and look at where I am already. But I will sober down and I'll teach the word. I'm very excited in my spirit because I am in the midst of some battle and the devil is trying to say he has won. And I said, 2,000 years ago, you, you were defeated. 2,000 years ago, you have not won. And this morning, just before I came, I had some small victory on my side. So I was rejoicing. Hallelujah. I'm rejoicing over that victory. If I tell you what I'm dealing with, you look at me again like this and say, Mommy, pa. But the devil is under us. Hallelujah. Bible says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Hallelujah. Oh, let me go into the work because I'm determined to download everything. I'm determined to download everything. Last week, we studied on deliverance from trouble. And I said, trouble comes to all of us, but we are more than conquerors through Christ. And I said, there are three things I will watch out for. Some people accosted me and they said, Mommy, you only said one, you didn't say the rest. I said, I said the rest in passing only. I didn't say two and three. Because sometimes I get carried away under the anointing. And that three, those three things are coming for Jeremiah 33, 3. For those of you who missed it. And he said, one, call upon God. When you are in trouble, don't go running around town talking to your friends. Call upon God. Hallelujah. Because Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call upon me, 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 me. He has confidence in himself in the day of trouble. The I, I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things you have not known. So the second one says, he will answer. 
he will answer. When he calls, you have to have somewhere in the back of your spirit, man, that the God that you are talking to is not a dead God, that your God is alive and well. Say, my God is alive and well. If you don't convince yourself, the devil will give you a bad picture to think that your God is dead. But your God is not dead. Our God is alive from everlasting to everlasting. He was there before the beginning of the beginning. He was there before the foundations of the earth. And he'll be there at the end of everything. Shout hallelujah. You have to have that confidence. And when you call upon him, he will answer and he will deliver you. He won't just answer and say yes. Somebody you call, say yes. You call somebody to come, yes. And the person is not coming. And you are calling the person. You, don't, you are not just looking for yes. You're looking for the person to appear so that the person can help you solve the particular problem that you have. And Bible said, when we call upon God, he will answer, he will answer, and he will show us great and mighty things we have not known. As for me, I know beyond every shadow of doubt that God answers. And when he answers, he answers in a tremendous way, depending on how much you put your trust and your confidence in him. Hallelujah. So this morning, it doesn't matter what your case is. I'm reminding you by yesterday's, last Sunday's word, that God will answer and he will show you amazing things. Say amazing things, awesome things, powerful things, great things, mighty things that you never thought about. Because the Bible says, I have not seen and ears have not heard. None have gone into the heart of God to see what he has prepared for those who love you. As you are sitting here wondering what your faith is going to be, if God will open your eyes to see what he has prepared for you, because you love him, it will blow your mind. Tell your neighbor, God is about to blow my mind. Oh my God, say it again. God is about to blow my mind. Shout hallelujah. And I, I, I proved it by the word of God by telling you that the Bible said Herod killed James. And when he saw that the Jews were happy, he went and grabbed Peter also, thinking that I'll get Peter. And the Bible said the church woke up and they said, we are under attack. Let's arise and fight. And the church began to pray. And God sent one angel, only one angel, into the... All you need in your case is one angel, one angel, one angel to be sent from heaven on your case to come here on earth to your house. God will give him your house address. Go to house number eight, three in Tema somewhere. My son and my daughter is there. Call upon my name. Go there right now. Here is the miracle in your hand. Go there. That is the kind of God I'm talking about. The one that will answer and send you an angel to go to your house. Go to your house. Go to your house and deliver the answer to what you are believing God for. That's the kind of God that we are serving. Shout hallelujah. And one angel went, and when the angel went, the foundations of the prison began to shake. They could not stand the power of the almighty God that was descended on them in the prison. The foundation shook, and the chains could not stand the power of God. The chains broke, doors opened, gates opened, and Peter was released. I don't know what kind of bondage or evil situation you are in today. May the angel of God come down from heaven to your house, to your situation. Let the foundations of your problems shake, 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 totter. Let them shake, let them shake into confusion. Let the foundations of your difficulty be shattered, be destroyed. Rise up like a mighty and a mighty woman and take possession 
For the Bible says we should occupy until he comes. We should not sit down for demons to occupy, for devils to occupy, for sickness to occupy, for poverty to occupy, for shame to occupy. He said, let the saints of God manifest. Let them occupy their power, their glory, their beauty, their anointing, their riches, their blessings of God. Occupy, demonstrate it till he comes. Therefore, you cannot afford to be satisfied with your life when things are not a reflection of the glories of heaven. You can't be satisfied. You should shake up and say, God, I must be a reflection of your light. I am the light of the world. There will arise in this my case. Establish truth. Establish righteousness that I can manifest to my generation. I declare over your life, you will not be a proverb. You will not be a byword. You will arise in your generation and you will manifest. Say, I will manifest the glory of God in my generation, in my home, in my office, at my workplace, and in my business. I shall manifest the glory of God. Oh, shout hallelujah. Do you believe me? That you are not just a proverb, that you are not just a byword, that the devil is a liar, and all the stories is telling you that as for you, your time is past, that as for you, you are a proverb and a byword, it's a lie from the pit of hell. You are not a proverb, you are not a byword. You are here to manifest the glory of God in your generation, whether the devil likes it or not. Shout hallelujah. Okay? That was last week. I wanted to talk a little bit about love because of the Valentine's season. That's not my preaching. Today I have a lot, but I allow the Holy Ghost to help me, and I'm watching the time. Love is bigger than red roses and red shirts. It's bigger than that. Some are excited, but they are getting confused. They think if I wear some red shirts and I wear some red skirts, and some guy comes to take me to out. Or I have some chick on my hands. I am enjoying the valentine. I am the valentine lady. I am the valentine gentleman. Tell your neighbor, love is more than that. Love is more than that. It's bigger than dinners and red roses. Oh, if only some guy, tall, dark, and handsome, will appear from somewhere with some red roses and sweep me off my feet. Oh, I have it made. I am the lady of the Valentine. Love is more than dinners and red roses. There are many people who have enjoyed many dinners and many red roses. There's nothing wrong with them, but they didn't find love. Hallelujah. Love is a man marrying one woman and loving her in every way for the rest of their lives. And a, a woman submitting and marrying one man and loving him in every way for the rest of their lives. I thought you clapped. You preferred red roses and dinners. This is love. One woman, you stand before God. You make a vow before this mighty God. And you tell him, this woman or this man, for the rest of my life, I'm going to serve, I'm going to love, I'm going to protect, I'm going to keep. And you, this God sitting up there, I'm making a vow before you. And God is not any foolish person sitting there. For you to come and stand before the altar and say something to deceive us. 
some people even have one girlfriend, a one boyfriend by the side, even sitting in the audience just waiting for this wedding. They are worrying them with it's over so they can meet in their corner and do their own thing. That is not love. Love is taking that vow in all seriousness before God and knowing that this is a child of God that has been entrusted to me. I have to demonstrate the love of Christ and I have to demonstrate the submission of the church so that the beauty of God will be seen here on earth through our marriage. That is love. Hallelujah. Are you clapping for Jesus? You don't like that one. Love is children appreciating their parents for the care they took of them and showing the appreciation to their parents. Love is doing that. Honor your parents. When Valentine comes, you can call them and say, oh, mommy, or daddy, if it hadn't been for you, I don't know where I'll be. Thank you very much for what you did for me and taking some gifts and honoring them. Hallelujah. Love is looking beyond yourself for someone who is less privileged than you and going out of your way on a day like Valentine's Day when nobody seems to care for that person and go out of your way to show love to the person, visit the person, encourage the person, and give a gift to the person. Love. Hallelujah. Amen. This Valentine's Day, a group of young people in the church came together and organized a film show, bought presents, beautifully packaged, met here, showed the film, had a discussion, and shared the presents to their other friends who came to the Valentine's Day. That is love. And to all those young people who did this for God, may God honor you greatly. Oh, hallelujah. You are not clapping for them because you were not part of. May God bless and honor you greatly. Let me tell you a heartwarming story I know about. A man many years ago, this is not a story, just a story. I know about the story and I know everybody involved. Many years ago, a man took care of a young man, saw him through school in Ghana, helped him to go abroad. And the man went abroad, worked hard, and ended up with a great organization. And the man has done extremely well in life. Done very well, blessed, bought property, and done a whole lot. Recently, the man who looked after him got into some kind of challenge. That man has retired. This young man said, I remember what you did for me, looking after me, taking me through school, helping me to come to this great country of the United States of America. And I want to show my appreciation to you for what you did. This young man bought a house, not in Ghana, but in the United States of America, and said, this house is for you. Thank you for what you did. Your clapping is too weak. The man also has some financial issue that suddenly came up. This young man said, this financial issue is my issue. It's not your issue. I don't want to see you involved. I don't want any bill to come to you. And the young man ordered, any bill concerning this situation is my bill. It's not the bill of this man. Let the bill not even be seen by this older man that helped me. Give the bill to me and handle it. This bill is not 1,000. It's not 2,000. It's not 3,000. It's not 4. It's tens of thousands of dollars. Hallelujah. This is love. So when we are talking about Valentine's Day, 
I want you to go beyond the frivolities that we see around us as a child of go beyond and think of God's great love that he had for us that sent him to send his only son to die for us. If you don't understand the love of God, your love for other people will be weak. It will be shaky. It will not stand the test of time. Because when small wind blows, you run away. Because you follow the girl because of her shape. You followed her because of something. That girl will grow. She will marry. She will give birth. The shape will be different. Things will change. What are you going to do? Are you going to run away to the next person because your love was based on shape? Or you are going to remember that you made a vow to somebody before God and you have to keep that vow? That one is a question for you to answer. Hallelujah. Amen. That's just food for thought. Now let's go into the word for today. Please rise on your feet. We'll read our scripture and then we'll move on. We are talking about kingdom stewardship. Two weeks ago, I talked about kingdom giving. I'm going to take the same message a step further. I'll go over some of the things I said. I'll take it a step further. And we'll talk about giving to a king. We want to relate it to giving to a king. If we have the proper foundation, we'll understand things very well. Luke 6, 38. Luke 6, 38. It says, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you give, it will be measured back to you. And then 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound or have an abundance for every good work. For as it is written, written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving towards God. Amen. Please be seated. When I read some scriptures, I'm just moved by the Spirit. Verse 10 of what we just read. He said, now may he who supplies seed to the sower. It makes you sit up and think. It's not by might or power. There's somebody who gives you the money that is in your hand. And bread for food. Multiply and multiply the seed you have sown. The one behind the scenes who gave you the seed and you obeyed and you sow. May he supply and multiply what you have sown and increase your fruits of righteousness. Oh my God, whilst you are enriched with everything and for all liberality or kindness, which causes thanksgiving towards God. As you remember who gave you and you give back to people around you, people around are going to give thanks to God because of you. May that be your story in the name of Jesus. I keep telling you that sometimes people give me things, I, have, I don't remember who gave them to me. And, but I just take it and say, wow. 
whoever gave me this thing, may the person be blessed. And may God bless that person. I just say that prayer, and the blessing goes directly to the person. Like I was telling you earlier, we began the series on kingdom stewardship. We've talked about stewardship. We talked about kingdom giving last time. Today, we are going to talk about kingdom giving again, but I'm going to relate it to giving to a king. I'll go over some of the things we've said, and I'll hit it hard well for it to settle down in your spirit, and you know exactly what you are doing in the house of God when you are giving to God. Say in the name of Jesus, I declare over my life, as we continue with this series on kingdom stewardship, may God increase my faith so that I can reach out to the unlimited resources of heaven that I may become so blessed that I will be a great blessing to my generation in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me say it again. Greatness is coming to this church. I hear it everywhere I go, and I tell people who tell me, I know, I am aware of it. I know a lot of things, and I will pray that you listen to me so that I can guide you. There are also some bats attached to the greatness, but I will help you as we go so you will listen so that you escape the traps of the enemy. Say in the name of Jesus, the blessings of the Lord he maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Any sorrow from the pit of hell assigned against every blessing of God coming to this church. We oppose it. We oppose it. We reject it. We negate it. We cancel it by the superior blood of Jesus. Shout hallelujah. Amen. So I ask the question, what is given in the kingdom like? When Jesus came, he taught a lot about the kingdom of God. I shared some of these truths with you. Like I said, I'm reiterating it, and then we move deeper. He taught a lot about the kingdom of God because if you understand the Bible, the light of God's kingdom, it makes everything easier for you. And I said again, as I've always said, that somebody may say, what is the kingdom of God? And I said, that kingdom of God is a realm in which God rules. During the week, somebody asked me, is the church the same as the kingdom of God? I tried to explain. I said, the church is a subset of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. The kingdom of God is a realm in which God rules. It's like God's nation, a spiritual nation of God. God's nation, God is a king. We are the citizens, and there are principles that we operate on. God set it up well in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, but Adam and Eve missed it, and therefore they missed the kingdom, and the process of being restored into the kingdom of God is taking place. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, there's only one way, and that way is Jesus. When you enter the kingdom through Jesus, now you begin to find out what are the precepts of the kingdom, what is the constitution of the kingdom? And last I said to you, the word of God, which some never read and some never look at, is the constitution or the precepts of the kingdom of God. And if you want to understand how the things work in God's kingdom, you have got to love the Bible. If you come to church and you don't read your Bible, if I say you'll be a millionaire, you will miss it. 
because the rules of engagement in being a millionaire are in the Bible, but you don't know it. And you'll be doing the opposite of what will cause you to become a blessing on the earth. And you wonder, is this prophecy mommy is talking about you at all? You will see that some people will enter it, but you are missing it because you miss the revelation. So I wanted to keep on breaking the word of God down so you don't miss anything at all. Hallelujah. Giving in the kingdom is like giving to a king. In some cultures, you, they will tell you that when you are going to see a king, you can't go empty-handed because part of the protocol is that you must take something. True or false? True or false? You can't go empty-handed. You can't go empty-handed. You've got to take something because that's what the protocol is. And I said presidents of different nations, when they come to visit, they bring something from their country to present, to show to the country they have come to that this is where they are coming from and this is what they have brought. And usually, the kind of gift that you carry determines how much you respect the country you are coming to. For example, if some president is coming to Ghana, they will think of what they will give, they will give it to us. When they are going to the United States or to some of these big countries, they will think twice when they are going about what they are taking. Hallelujah. Because they have great respect and love for those countries. It's like giving to a king. And kings also define their power by their wealth. They define their power by their wealth. If you say you are a king and you don't have anything, I mean, who will mind you in this, your kingdom? Nobody respects you because you are like a toothless bulldog. You don't have anything. And you say that you are a king presiding over what? Nobody will take you seriously. So you find out in the times there was a lot of wars and things like that. And still now, we have a lot of wars going on. And certainly, people are trying to annex other nations so that they can take their wealth and add it to their own and strengthen their domain to prove that they are mighty in their kingdom. Hallelujah. It goes on in a subtle way now, but in the old days, it was real war. War. Sometimes it wasn't war. It was people coming in, I mean, sneaking into the country through other means and finding ways of stealing some of the things from our countries away. It's happening now in a subtle way, but we are not seeing. Say, may God open our eyes. May God open our eyes. So they will take the wealth of different nations, their gold, their mirrors, other things, and they will go and entrench themselves. And they amass this world so that they can secure their reputation. They have a reputation to keep. And they want to secure their reputation. So they continue to amass more wealth to entrench themselves as mighty kings. We are the first world. By what means? By strength of power, wealth, and finding other ways of entrenching without wealth, we are the first wealth. Hallelujah. And if we also want to get somewhere, then we also have to work hard so that we also can enter into a certain realm of power. Then when we are talking, they will listen to us. But somehow, I really don't know what our agenda is. If you see a king who has no, I mean like a king sitting somewhere, sometimes you watch the TV and they'll say, this man is the chief of so-so-and-so town. You look again, and you see nothing. You look at the person, you say, is this a chief? Have you seen it before? And you just wonder. But if they say you are going to Asantehini Palace, you look at it like a very serious business. Why? Because that is a wealthy kingdom. They have entrained themselves with wealth and with power. When the Asantehini himself is moving, and you see the gold and things he's carrying, what is he trying to do? He's trying to tell you the power and the might 
of his kingdom. It's like I preside over this kind of wealth in my kingdom. So you've got to recognize me as such. Hallelujah. And in the Bible, it was the same thing. Kings like Solomon, they amassed so much wealth. If you look at 1 Kings chapter 10, Bible said Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in chariot cities. Cities named chariot cities. As for that place, you just keep the chariots there. When war comes, you just make an announcement, send some messenger, a running man to run. And, and Solomon will say, bring 500 chariots, bring 10 chariots. War has come in this corner. Let's show them where power lies or something like that. And he was in a time of peace. His father had fought all the battles. So those there was there to let people know that here, here we have chariots and we have horsemen. If you make a mistake, we will finish you. When you even hear the story that there are cities with chariots, you won't try even to come there. Hallelujah. Amen. So he was also displayed and showing his power. The Bible said the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as toes. And he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores which are in the lowland. That was the power of Solomon's kingdom. This is just a small bit of it because I can't go into all that. And Bible said in the days of Daniel, Belshazzar under the influence of wine gave orders that they should bring the gold and silver vessels that the book his father had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. They came to take gold and silver from the temple in Jerusalem to go and strengthen their kingdom. He also had those golden goblets and things there to prove to people how powerful his kingdom is. Kings also like to outgive other kings to show their glory and also to test the glory of those kings. They want to outgive them. I'm coming to this kingdom. Let me show them that we in Ghana, we have things. When the Asantini appears there with all his gold and all that, you sit up and take it serious because you realize that this man is representing something. You take him serious. They are given to show their might and their power. There were great, great nations in that time. Babylon, the great, the Roman Empire, and other great empires did great things to show their might and their power. So when you go to see a king, you have to take a gift. I said that last time. And the kind of gift that you take will show the value that you place on the king. Hallelujah. The kind of gift will show the value. You cannot give carelessly to a king. If you go and take anything at all to give to a king, you are trying to tell the king that this is how I see you. The king will take it and look at you. That's your end. The breakthrough that will come from the king is sealed because you didn't treat the king with respect. We are going somewhere. Tell your neighbor we are going somewhere. One thing that happens when you give to a king is that you are placing demand on what the king has. Because when you give to a king something, the king is also thinking, what is this person looking for from me? For the person to bring me this. And the king has to make sure he gives you something better than what you gave him. Hallelujah. So if you go to a king and you go and you have some chale water, and you go and give the chale water to the king, the king will also give you maybe a hiniba. Because <laughs> when you bring me chale water, <laughs> I bring you a hiniba. I've done well, haven't I? Are you getting the way the thing is? A gift, it shall be given to you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, running over. The measure that you brought, you know, they will top it up a little and give to you. That's the way it is. True or false? True or false? That's the way it is. We want to speak the truth so we can understand how the things work. 
Hallelujah. But when you give a big gift to a king, the king has to think twice and wonder, what do you want? And so when you come and you mention what you want, the king begins to take you what? Seriously. Hallelujah. The Bible said in the book of Matthew chapter 2, I'm reading from verse 1, that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he that has been born king of the Jews? We've seen his star on the east and we have come to worship him. Wise men from the east, the wise men were also rulers. Let's say little chiefs or little kings from their own kingdom. Somehow they studied astrology and from their studies they have seen that a great king has been born in Israel somewhere. Well, they knew he had been born somewhere and there was a star that would guide them and take them to the place. So they followed the star, they studied the star, followed the star and came. Why did they come? They understand the language of kings. If a very great king has been born, they want to tap into what that king also carries. So they came all the way from places like Syria, Jordan, and places like that to come with their presence to give to the king. And the king was just a mere baby. Can you imagine? But they had some insight. They have some understanding because they are kings and they understand the protocol of kings. So they knew that if this is a great king whose kingdom is greater than all our kingdom, we've got to go and register our names there. So let's go and look for the king and pay homage to the king. So Bible said from verse 11, that and when they had come into the house, they followed the star and went and looked for the house. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and mare, a young child, a baby. But by revelation, they understood that this baby was a great king. They left wherever they were and came all the way. And when they saw that baby, they bowed down. They worshipped the king. They didn't just come with empty hands. They had gold. They had frankincense. They had mare to come and give to the king. The revelation of giving to kings. They were kings, so they understood it. Hallelujah. Why do we give to kings? I said earlier that that is a culture. Because when you are giving to a king, what you are really doing is that you are tapping into something that is on the life of the king. And you are giving so that you too, you can be a partaker of the greatness in the life of the king. You are not just going there. No, the young kings went there to submit themselves to Jesus because he was a greater king. The covering, the power. You know, if you go in, in those days, if you go to a, a king that is bigger than you, you go and give presents and give to the king, and you bow and pay homage, you are telling that king, I pay allegiance to you. When some war comes in your country, and some country wants to come and annex you, you can call that king. After all, you went to the king, you gave to the king, you paid homage and allegiance to the king. You can call that king, and that king will run to your rescue, because you honored that king. But if you are also in the neighborhood, you didn't mind the king. You didn't do anything for the king. You don't recognize the king. If they are coming to catch you and you call the king, will he mind you? He's seen that other people have come, but you never came. So you are a rebel and they will not recognize you. He will not do anything. He will just watch you and they will carry you away. When I said you must give something that is befitting. Let's, let me show you a scripture 
from 2 Samuel 24. The Bible says that there was a time that God was angry with David and he vexed him and he said, I'm going to number the children of Israel. Joab said, why do you want to do a thing like this? Don't do it. Don't do it. David did not listen and went ahead and numbered the children of Israel. And God was very angry with David. And in that day, 70,000 people were killed in Israel. And David started crying unto the Lord to bring deliverance to Israel and to Judah because 70,000 people have been killed under your watch. What are you going to do? So there was a prophet named God who came to David and said, Go and erect an altar at the threshing floor of Aruana, the Jebusite. So he went there to go and buy that threshing floor. Aruana said, no problem. I'll give it to you. Whatever you give me, I don't mind. You are the king. I have oxes. I have all kinds of things there. You can take it to do your sacrifice. David said, no, 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 no. Second Samuel 24, 24. David said, no, I'm not going to do that. Hallelujah. He said to Aruana, but no, I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offering to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. He said, no, I want this thing. To, I want to feel the pinch. I'm going to use this compound. I'm going to do sacrifice to rest an altar for God to stay his hand against this demonic thing that is happening against this terrible thing that is happening to us because I opened the door for this thing to come. So I will not give the Lord something that costs nothing. I will pay for it. Why did David do that? He placed a great value on God. This place is going to be used to do something, to offer sacrifice unto God. I will pay for it. I will show God that I'm serious. I have repented. I'm going to pay for it. And he took out money and he paid for it. Hallelujah. That's the same thing we also need to do. If you come to God, God must, you must place value on the thing you give to God. Don't just throw something. I mean, you are coming to church. Okay, I have 11 CDs. I'll put one CD here. I'll put 10 CDs here. Okay, after church, I'll have to buy cake and fish. So this 10 CDs is banker show here. I'm not going to touch it. Let me give this one CD to God. That's what we do. And God is also watching. What did it cost you? One city. Your care is more important than the house of God at this moment. So you are securing your cake money here. And if you make a mistake and take that cake money, say, hey, you put the cake money right back. But you can say, I'm going to share my cake money with God today. I'm going to share. I'm going to pay a price. I'm going to share my cake money. And God will remember you. Hallelujah. People think, oh, mommy is just telling you something, but it's, it's happening. I have stories in this house that if I tell you, it will blow your mind. There are people who don't have anything, but they have given the little that they have. I know somebody as I talk, but I don't want to talk too much about the person. She gave everything that she had. She didn't have anything. And as she was going, God touched somebody's heart. And the person came to me and said, I want to be a blessing to this person. And the person said, I didn't know what I was going to eat when I go home on that day. And the person's life has been changed in this church. Only one person believes me. It's not a story. It's happening. The person is sitting right under my nose here in this church. I was very happy for the person. Because I know the person. 
and I see the person. And I watch the person, and I see the zeal, and I see the love for God. Even though the person has, has, doesn't have anything, the person is zealous for God, and it's always going and coming. And so I dance, and I rejoice, and I give glory to God when the, this miracle started unfolding right before my eyes. Give a better clap of faith to Jesus. You must give to God based on your ability. Don't compare yourself with anybody. Those that compare themselves to themselves, they are not wise. You have to give to God based on your ability. There was a widow that gave small mites. They said she gave all. Some people gave big, big money. They said, no, she gave everything that she had. The others gave plenty because they have plenty. So it's not according to the bigness of the money. It's the value of the money in relation to how much God has blessed you. That's how God sees it. So when you are going to give, you think this week, what has gone on? Wow, this is what happened. I got the breakthrough. I got this. Okay, I can't give everything the same way I, as I gave last week. Because this week, I got a breakthrough. So I have to recognize that this week was different from last week. So let me give more than I gave last week. Because God did something extra in my life this week. Are you with me? That's the way it goes. So it has to be based on your ability. And the measure with which you give, like I said to you earlier, is the same measure that will be given to you. Hallelujah. First Kings chapter 3, we'll read something. We'll see how Solomon became a millionaire. Asobu, can you help me please, Reverend? We are reading First Kings 3 from 4 to 13. First Kings 1, sorry, First Kings 3, 4. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. A thousand burnt offerings. Let's go. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? The thousand burnt offerings is provoking something. People went and sacrificed. Nobody got asked. Solomon went and gave thousand. They said, ask, what I will do for you. And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. A great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge. Still thinking about how to give to God. After giving a thousand burnt offerings, it was not enough. He's thinking of how to fulfill the mandate that has been given to him. And when they said, ask for something... Instead of asking for all the big cars and the big things, he said, I need a grace. I need wisdom. I need something to help me to be able to continue with the work my father has started. Mm. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may descend between good and evil. For who is able to judge these great people of yours? Are you thinking about the house of God? Are you thinking about how effectively you will do what God has given you to do? Or it's just about the breakthrough that you are looking for from God. When we seek the kingdom first, and we think of how 
I mean, we will do what God has put in our hands to do, sacrifice and do these things. They break through and every, they will chase us and will follow us. What I am going through, I shouldn't be standing here preaching, you know. I should go and sit somewhere and think. No, but I'm here. I'm here. Say I'm here. I want the devil to register that I am here and I'm preaching. I am preaching. I'm preaching. And I'm preaching good. Hallelujah. Continue. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to descend justice, behold, I have done according to your words. Mm. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, mm. so that there has not been anyone like you before you, mm. nor shall any like you arise after you. He placed value on God. So when God asked him, what shall I do for you? It was not about him. It's about how to do the work that has been given by God. He placed a big value on the assignment that has been given him. He knew that he didn't have it. He said, give me wisdom to do what you have given me to do. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. Becoming a millionaire is seeking the kingdom of God first. Finding out what's in the heart of God. Finding out your assignment in Christ on earth and doing it. Find it out and do it. Just look for that assignment, what God wants you to do in this world. And make sure that is your great passion. And make sure you are fulfilling it. And when you do that, the road to millionaire will be opening gradually before you. And you'll move from one degree of glory onto another. Before you realize, millionaire, millionaire, you'll be in it. Hallelujah. May the Lord grant you wisdom as you seek him to know who you are and the assignment that you have. And may you fulfill it. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 34, 20. Bible said, nobody should come to God empty-handed. You cannot afford to come empty-handed. Anytime you come, you are coming to plant a seed so that you get your harvest. You cannot come empty-handed because it's more blessed to give than to receive. When you give, you are setting yourself up for a blessing. Because Bible said in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given to you. So when you are giving, you are only setting yourself up for a blessing. When you give, God is also going to find other means to bless you. The person you gave to is not the one who will necessarily bless you. God is going to open other doors. He said, you get, let men, can we look at it in the NI, not NIV, uh, near King James, please, King James Version. Let's look at King James, please. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaking together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. You give to somebody, but God is going to find somebody else to give to your bosom. So don't look at people when you are giving. Go as God has ordained for you to go. Because it's not necessarily those people. The king, when you give to people, you are giving to the king. Hallelujah. We are kings and priests. So we're giving to each other. We are kings and priests. But above all, you are giving to the king of all kings. And the king of all kings, what is it that you are looking for that he cannot give to you? That's what you should think about. There's nothing that God cannot do for you when you live a, a life like that. Hallelujah. There are people that are always looking for opportunities to give. I declare in the name of Jesus, 
as you give into the kingdom, may God cause men to give to you. From the east and the west, and the north and the south, in the mighty name of Jesus. In the book of John chapter 4, Jesus met a certain woman at a well called Sychar. And the woman had come there to draw water. And Jesus said, give me water. And the woman started some religious conversation with the woman about where to worship God and how the Jews and the Samaritans don't mix together and all that. And Jesus answered and said to her, John 4, 10, if you knew the gift of God and you knew who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He said, you don't know what you're talking about. I said, give me water to drink. I am teaching you the protocol of kings. I am a king. As I stand here by this well and your eyes are blind, you cannot see, I am a king. And I want to bless you, but there's a protocol. Give me water to drink. And afterwards, I'll show you what I got. And the woman was wondering. But after she gave, and the fountain of living water was opened unto her, this woman, who was a loose woman, who was living about, doing anything she liked, became a great evangelist that turned around a whole city. Because what she got from the king was bigger than what she was carrying. Are you clapping? She was by a well with a little bucket, drawing water from the well with a small bucket. But Christ came into the scene and opened the fountain, the river that never runs dry. So there's a way you can connect to the king of kings. And you enter into the rivers of blessing, the rivers of riches, the riches, the rivers of wealth, the wells that never run dry. The need of that woman was to break out of the life she was in, to know God and to turn around. She was an evangelist that was hiding, evangelist that the devil had messed up, evangelist that was leading a loose life. So what she needed was something that would turn her life around, that she would move away from destruction to the road of evangelism to fulfill her divine destiny. And a cup of water to Jesus turned her life around and she moved from loose living to evangelism. She became a great evangelist. The same place where she was dishonored was the same place great honor came to her. May God deliver you from whatever you are in as you learn the principles of giving in the kingdom and you, may you become one of the greatest people in your sphere of influence. Shout hallelujah. Oh my God. I didn't want to call her a prostitute. I mean, but that was what I was thinking, from prostitute to evangelist. Powerful. Stay on neighbor, powerful. Just by a cup of water that she gave to Jesus. Hallelujah. The queen of Sheba also had heard things about Solomon. So one day she, she collected things and said, let's go and see. We have heard, now let's go and see. She collected all her things and she came. Bible said in 1 Kings 10, 10, that when she came, she gave the king 120 talents of gold. These are people with revelation. They know the protocol of kings. Spices in great quantity, precious stones. There never again came such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to Solomon. She set a record in the kingdom that talking about spices, she said to the king, nobody again ever came to the kingdom with the quantity, the quality of spices to bring to King Solomon. She set a record in that. Solomon looked at the whole thing and said, okay, I will retaliate. Second Chronicles 9, 12. She gave 
she made a statement. She put a great value on Solomon. Now Solomon, Bible said, King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all that she desired. Seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. And all the things that you desire will be given unto you. My God. They gave her all that she desired. Whatever she asked, much more than she had brought to the king. Oh my God, did you get that revelation? They gave her much more, much more, much more, much more. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. She got much more. When you give to the king of kings, you will get much more. The woman at Saika, well, she got much more than she gave to the king. So when you come to the house of God, and you are coming to give, not to an ordinary king, you are coming to give to the king of kings, you must know that you are tapping into a great well. You are tapping into the fountain of life. You are tapping into the wealth of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I'll conclude. Matthew 10, 41. The Bible says, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. If you receive a man and a woman of God, there is an anointing that they carry, you partake of it. Whatever fasting that they did, whatever praying that they did, whatever serving God that they did, wherever they came from, 20 years, 10 years, 5 years of being in the presence of God and walking and carrying that kind of mantle that they carry, when you sow into their lives, you are a partaker of the mantles that they carry. Therefore, we men and women of God who are an understanding and revelation of our gift, we give to other men of God. We go and look. You go to a man of God that is in a higher rank than you, and you take your seed, and you go there, and you worship, and you adore God, and thank God for their lives, and their gift that is in their life. And you sow into their life, and you sow into the anointing that is upon their lives, so that you become a partaker of all that they carry. That is what we also do as men and women of God. So if you also sow into a life of a man and a woman of God, you automatically be a, become a partaker. Like the woman of the issue with the not the issue of blood, she became a partaker of healing. But I won't, don't want to use her example today. But the woman that the cycle well became a partaker of the anointing on the life of Jesus. She moved from a, a loose life to a great evangelist. Are you with me? That is it. So if you give to any man, a woman of God, you partake of the anointing. If you give to a righteous man, a man and a woman walking in divine alignment with God, you also partake of what is upon their lives. Somebody that is walking in righteousness and is walking in alignment for a divine purpose. You partake of what is upon their lives. You know, Lot was with Abraham and he was blessed. And he thought he had arrived. He didn't know that the walking with Abraham made him a partaker of the anointing in the life of Abraham. He just thought, me too, I'm anointed. Me too, I know something. Me too, I know how to rear sheep and cattle and whatnot. So me too, I'm blessed. And when there was a fight between the headsmen of Abraham and Lord, instead of humbling himself and saying, oh, let's try and patch this thing and sort it out, he rather wants, let's divide the land. You want to cut yourself off from the anointing? You don't know where the, the, the anointing comes from? You don't know where all you have comes from? And he said, okay, let's separate. And he took the nice part. And an anointed man can take any part of the land, but that anointing can change it. 
You are joking. An anointed person can take the least, and that least will become the greatest thing. Because of the anointing, the anointing can change that desert environment and make it flourish. There's an anointing over Israel. Though they are in the desert, it doesn't look like a desert. God has come there in his power, and he's doing mighty things for them out there. Therefore, you don't struggle with somebody who is the career of an anointed. And if you're anointed, you don't struggle over things. Why are you struggling over things? Don't you know wherever you are, there's blessing there because of you. Of you, every place that the sole of your foot has, shall tread upon, I shall give it to you to possess. Because of you, the land will be blessed. Because of you, the land will be rich. Because of you, the land will be watered. Because of you, the land will be great. Because of you, there will be change in the land. Because you are a change agent. You are carrying something. Jesus appeared as Saika and Samaria changed. He was carrying something. And he needed a vessel to put the thing in to change Samaria. The people thought, oh, the, the demons said, we will not let any sensible person come to the world today. We have seen Jesus coming. We've seen somewhere that Jesus is coming to the world. He will come and, and see, win the soul over here and worry us and turn things around over here. We won't let anybody go. We'll just give him this woman while he's sleeping around the place. Let's see what you do with her. He didn't know that wherever Jesus enters, there must be a change in that place. So he said, you give her to me. Bring it on. And the woman came. When the woman came, my God, the wells. She tapped into the wells that never runs dry. And suddenly, the things were welling in her spirit. And anointing was in her belly. She said, if you say I should not mention him or speak anymore in his name, his word is, is in my bones like fire. Shut up there. I'm tired of holding it and I cannot. Yes, I'm the woman that you knew, but no more the same woman. I am a new person. He who is in Christ is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you knew me before now, I've tapped into another well. I'm a different woman. And the men thought they could play the fool with her. Shout hallelujah. They came to try their old tricks on them. Before they ran, she lay hands on them. Born again. Lay hands on them. Born again. Lay hands on them. Born again. They forgot all the foolishness. Because they saw this woman is no longer that woman, um, woman by the corner. This woman, they went to warn all their friends. This one has become born again. Some said, let's go and see. Come and see, oh, come and see. They said, we want to come and see. When they came, they were slain. When they came, they were slain. The harder they came, <laughs> the harder they fell. Hallelujah. And before we realized, the whole nation was in revival. Shout hallelujah. You must learn to connect to the anointing. The, the woman, the widow of Zarephath, she connected into the anointing. Hallelujah. Of prophet Elijah. I mean, that is the protocol. That is the protocol. The, the, the woman said, Elijah said to the woman, give me first. Yeah, because there's a certain protocol. And it's strange, but the, Elijah had to explain to her that there is a way that the exchange goes. You give me what you have, I give you what I have. And when she gave, she got, she connected to the well. Not into Elijah's well. She connected to where Elijah was connected to. A deeper well. And all that famine time, there was no problem with her. The same with the Shunammite woman. She also said, ah, this man is coming every day, Elisha. All the time this prophet is coming. Told the husband, let's prepare a room for this man of God. So when he comes to come and lie here. The woman was connecting into what Elisha was carrying. So she, her house, the anointing came to her house to sleep there all the time. Barrenness couldn't stay. Barrenness couldn't continue. Before law, the woman was pregnant. The devil said, what is all this going on here? This one that I've bound all these years, she's carrying what baby? I will deal with this situation. And the devil struck. 
But the woman knew where the oil came from. She knew where the anointing came from. And she ran there. I don't know what your story is. I don't know whether God gave you something and the devil came to take it. But go back to the source where God gave it to you. When you go back to the source, the same anointing. God is not there. God is alive. The same God who gave it to you. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. God gave you a business. God gave you a marriage. God gave you a blessing. And the enemy has tampered with a blessing. And you feel like there's no hope. You feel like I've lost it. This cannot be your portion. Arise. Go back to your source. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things. I, you have not known. The Shunammite woman went back to the source of the oil, the source of the anointing. Elijah lay on the woman. Oh, my, on the child. The child came back to life. I don't know what your situation is, but I'm telling you, the God we serve, he neither faints nor grows weary. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the great I am. He said, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Rise up in faith. Stand tall. Don't be moved. Move forward. Go back to God. Go back to the rock of your salvation. Go back to the rock from which you were healed. Take your case to him like the Shunammite woman. I like that woman. She was a woman of faith. She was a woman of great tenacity. She went back because she knew that this miracle came from God. I'm going back to the source. And the God who gave this child to me is able to restore. May God bring restoration to your life. Whatever the devil stole from you, may the God of your salvation, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the God who is the maker and the renewer and the giver of all things, the God said, behold, I make all things new, even you. The one who said, when I stretch out my hand, no one can pull it back. When I purpose a thing, no one can disannul it. When I bless, no man can curse. May that God rise like a man of war and fight on your behalf and deliver you from that which is too strong for you. May God be your defense. May God be your shield. May God be your high tower. May God give you a mighty testimony. May you rise up to become great in your generation. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Can we bow down our heads? I want you to thank God for your life. For how far he has brought you. Thank him and appreciate him. That you know that he's the beginning and the end of all things. That he will secure that which is yours. Psalm 16, 5 and 6. I'll conclude with that. Thank God. You thank God once they put the scripture there. Psalm 16, 5 and 6. Hallelujah. Just thank God. Thank God for what he's done for you. The Bible says that, Oh Lord, you are my portion, the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. You maintain my lot. God has power to maintain what he has given to you. He has power. He has power to maintain. He's not a God that will give to you and watch you for the enemy to steal from you. He has power to maintain what he has given you. You are my cup. You are a portion of my inheritance. You will maintain my lot. May God maintain your lot. And may he restore to you anything that the enemy has stolen from you. Hallelujah. As we continue to bow our heads, if you are here, you are not born again. Your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. I want to appeal to you. Can you lift your hand? 
so that we pray with you. You are not born again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. Shall we say the sinner's prayer together? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for being the fountain of life. I have come from my testing land to you today that you will quench my thirst. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. Forgive me all my sins. Wash me in your blood. Write my name in the book of life. Reconnect me to my divine destiny. As you reconnected the woman of the well to her divine destiny, O Lord of my salvation, reconnect me to my source. Reconnect me to the reason for my birth that I will become the man and the woman that you called me to be. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.